Galatians 5, for the second last time. And you can hear me clearly? All right. Neil's told me that that speaker, something wrong. So tune up your hearing aid for that side. <laughs> okay, Galatians chapter 5. And then tonight, we're going to talk about gentleness. What does the Bible say about this matter of gentleness? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of your Son. And what a beautiful name, what a wonderful name, what an exalted name. Even as you told Manoah and his wife, when he asked, what is your name? Or Gideon. And you said, why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. Your name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We ask that this evening you would speak from heaven to us on earth. We have your word, but we pray that your spirit would speak right into our hearts. Living words, ancient words, ever true. And that you would change us and sanctify us in your truth. By your truth, your word is truth. Amen. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. <clears throat> Jerry Bridges is, uh, some of you like his books, and he's a very good author, a very biblical author, and he tells a story of a friend of his, and this guy was in the U.S. Marines. And you know from the Marines they take the Navy SEALs, so the best Marines and those who go through certain training become Navy SEALs. So this guy was a Marine, and a Christian, and he would sign his letters, the end of every letter he would sign, keep tough and tender. Remain tough and tender. That's what gentleness is. Jerry Bridges explains it. Tough on ourselves, tender with others. So how do we apply this tenderness, this gentleness, and this toughness also, because it's a mix, how do we apply it in the Christian life? First of all, we're going to look at examples of gentleness. Now, many of the men present uh, might have thought, I'm going to send my wife for this one, this gentleness, because that's a womanly thing. Women need to be gentle. Men don't need to be gentle. They need to be tough. They need to be masculine. They need to be manly. They need to be macho. And so many men think that gentleness is a womanly trait. It's a womanly character trait. So if you were an unbeliever sitting here tonight, an unbelieving man would think that drinking lots of alcohol and fighting and swearing and being sexually immoral, that is manly. Well, men, men who say that 
do not understand masculinity and neither do they understand gentleness. Because gentleness, you see, is a very strong character trait. I'll give you an example of this. <clears throat> gentleness is true strength. So an example, I'll, I'll give you the two men's names. The one's name was Michael and the other one's name is JJ. <clears throat> and these two boys were in school with me. They were a year younger than I. And one day, <clears throat> JJ walked up to Michael, and Michael was a Christian, and JJ punched him in the face. And Michael just turned the cheek, and he stood, and he looked at JJ, and didn't say anything. Which of the two do you think was the stronger one? Michael or JJ? Well, it's obvious it's Michael. You see, JJ, <coughs> he could control others, but he couldn't control himself. And Michael controlled himself. And if you read the book of Proverbs, he who controls himself, he who controls his own spirit, is better than one who takes a city. It's very easy to control other people. It's very hard to control yourself. A man without self-control, says Proverbs, is like a city without walls, a city broken into, a city without walls. So JJ, those of you who were in the army, JJ was an arrogant and cocky corporal. You know, the corporal, it's your, very, it's your very first stripe that you get. And so this guy shouts at all the troops and chases them around. Where Michael had inner strength. He was a general. He's got nothing to prove. doesn't have to make his mark. He's a Christian. And so he's like a general in the army, the highest rank. Gentleness or mildness, which is also a possible translation. Meekness is not weakness. Gentleness is not weakness. Really, the Greek word according to one of the lexicons, can, it refers to gentle strength. Gentle strength, gentle force. It's, it's like a blue whale. This giant of an animal. The largest animal on earth. It's gentle. Or a massive bull elephant walking in Kruger. Gentle. can afford to be gentle. It's the biggest round. Who's going to try and slap it around? <laughs> a, a gentle person is like, it's like an Olympic gymnast. An Olympic gymnast has got controlled strength. Almost makes strength, makes the strength look elegant and makes it look gracious. So that's what gentleness is. It's strength under control. Yeah. <laughs> Strength under control. Uh, some people think that gentleness is a natural quality. You know, it's just something you have according to your temperament. Some people have it, some people don't. Now, D.A. Carson says some people are just naturally nice and easygoing. But then again, so are some dogs. <laughs> so don't confuse a quiet personality with gentleness. You can have a quiet personality and I'm not a gentle person, you're a ticking time bomb. You've got uh, Jacob as an example. 
It said in Genesis 25, verse 27, Jacob was a quiet person. He liked to just be indoors. Very quiet, very maybe kind of laid back. But a quiet personality. But Jacob wasn't a gentle person. Jacob cheated his brother twice. And then Jacob had some scuffle with his uncle. And then Jacob lost his temper with his uncle in Genesis 31. So he wasn't a gentle person. Don't think, don't think gentleness equals silent personality, quiet personality. <coughs> gentleness is more than external. It's more than merely outward. Gentleness is an inward strength. It's an inner quality produced by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, as verse 22 or 23 tells us. <coughs> the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And the Spirit then helps you, that kind of person, the gentle person, to control his reactions, to control his tongue, to control his or her emotions, to control himself, to control herself. So the gentle person doesn't speak his mind. The gentle person doesn't call a spade a spade. The gentle person doesn't say, I'll just say what I want and let the chips fall where they, fall where they will. No, the gentle person has strength under control and thinks before he responds, thinks before she answers, thinks before she gives some expression to her emotions. The gentle person doesn't send forth his spirit, doesn't explode in anger. The gentle person doesn't crop up things and get all bitter and makes it stew in his or her heart. The gentle person, <coughs> excuse me, says Proverbs 29 verse 11, we read of, of the person who just sends out his spirit and speaks his mind. That is a fool that does that. The fool speaks his mind. The wise person, the righteous person, quietly holds it back and thinks through. The gentle person is quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The gentle person is not merely quiet, and I'm just a quiet personality. No, the gentle person can actually talk. The gentle person looks for opportunities. Where can I build others up? Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing, says Paul. The gentle husband, husbands, can I have your ears? The gentle husband is not harsh with his wife, but he loves his wife. He's gentle with his wife. He's a gentleman. A gentle man. He doesn't shout at his wife. He doesn't swear at his wife. He's a gentleman knowing from Scripture a gentle word quiets contention or fighting or anger. A harsh word stirs it up. He knows that perverseness in the tongue can break the spirit. But a gentle word brings healing. And yet, <clears throat> I'm not limiting gentleness to words. Because you can speak gentle words and not be gentle. I'll give you an example of this. You know who spoke very gently to a woman in the Bible? His name was Shechem. And he spoke very gently and tenderly to Dinah. After he had raped her. 
So it's not enough to say, I speak gently and in a gentle tone of voice. No, the, the truly gentle person does not only speak gentle words, but gentle actions that go with those gentle words. The gentle husband knows that his wife is weaker than him, weaker in terms of physical strength, and weaker very often in terms of emotional strength. So he's tender with her. She cries easier than he does. So he's gentle with her. He's gentle with her in the way he speaks to her, in his manners, in the way he touches her. I've found that sometimes I can just say, Did he come and look here? And she says, Ow! Because she's soft. Do that with Timothy and he, says, and he, and he wants to wrestle. <laughs> because he's a boy. Tani Nelly Nell in our church, she spoke of her late husband and said he was a gentleman. Gentleman, really being gentle with her in the way he acted. Let me talk to the ladies for a moment, the wives. <clears throat> so a gentle wife is not loud. A gentle wife is not bombastic. A gentle wife does not want to wear the pants in the house. A gentle wife does not question her husband's every decision. A gentle wife <coughs> does not oppose her husband or shout. Remember that woman in the block of flats in Elspreet, did he? Did he baptize her? Quikey. <laughs> did he give her a name? Because <laughs> she would stand like this. And you'd see her husband come home and she'd stand in the doorway. And she'd, Why was she? They shout at him. And we'd often hear them shout at one another. And shout like a witch. No. A gentle wife is soft-spoken. gentle wife is calm and composed and mild and peaceful and peace-loving and peacemaking. 1 Peter 3, verse 4. Here's the gentle wife. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. So that's the gentle wife. You see, the gentle wife, when she submits to her husband, when she respects her husband, when she submits to her husband's leadership, when she, when she submits to... Also, hopefully, spiritual leadership. Or perhaps her husband doesn't lead her spiritually. But still, she's got a submissive and gentle and quiet attitude. When she does that, that is no proof of weakness. That is proof of tremendous inward strength. A woman who responds and acts in that way. And we see this, this gentle and quiet spirit, verse 4, verse 5. This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. So the gentle wife, although she submits, that's not weakness, she is unafraid. She is unshaken and unmoved. She's a strong woman. <coughs> I'll, give, <coughs> excuse me, I'll give you an example of this. That Deirdre and I know a woman who is very gentle, very gentle. And she's in a Pentecostal church, and they're very devoted Christians, her and her husband. And she would really like to be in an evangelical conservative church 
a Reformed Church, call it that if you want to, uh, expository preaching church, uh, strong doctrine church. She would really love to be in a church like that, but her husband said no. Although they believe what Reformed Evangelical Christians believe. Her husband said, no, we're going to stay in this church and we're going to try and make a difference here. And she said, and that's what my husband said. And my husband is right. So that's what we will do. Very gentle, firm, strong. Strong character. Let me talk to the dads. <clears throat> if you're a dad, a gentle father does not break down his children. Now I had to confess to one of my children this week because I just see negative things say this is not right and you're not doing this right and you're not doing that right this thing you said this is not how we should do it and, and just seeing that and not seeing the positive too and encouraging the positive so i had to go to that child first to the lord i actually woke up with this thought as i opened my eyes the other morning <coughs> the first thought that came to me was colossians chapter 3 verse 21 fathers do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And I thought, I'm discouraging that child. And so I had to go to the child, ask for forgiveness to the Lord, and go to the child and say, I've sinned against you by just seeing all the negative and pointing that out. And even if I did see something, I could have taken you aside and not admonished you in front of the other children. I could have taken you aside and spoken softly and say, listen, my child, this is why... We do things this way and not this way. I want to help you and I love you. I could have done it that way, but I didn't. And so I had to confess my sin. What about the mothers? Gentle mothers? Well, the same as gentle fathers. If we really want to be gentle, moms, you cannot shout at your children. That's not the way to parent. That is not a biblical way to parent. And it's, a, it's, it's what Scripture tells us not to do. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Clamor means shouting and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you. So you're still the parent, I understand that, and you still need to take the lead, but you can lead with gentleness. And remember, gentleness is not weakness. It's strength. It's helping. It's inward strength under control. The gentle parent remembers, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What about Yersha and Ruth and Ivor and Kus? Because we are elders, we are spiritual leaders in the church. Let me talk to you about a spiritual leader who is gentle. Such a leader does not lose his temper. Because it's easy when you've got stubborn sheep to lose your temper. But you lose your temper once and you can ruin many a year's work, good work. So we do not lose our temper and we do not become harsh with God's sheep. That's what bad shepherds do. In Ezekiel 34 verse 4, Ezekiel writes this about shepherds. <coughs> the bad shepherds, the weak you haven't strengthened, the sick you haven't healed, the injured you haven't bowed up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So we do not rule with harshness. An elder ought to have a mild character. And that's 1 Timothy 3 verse 3. Gentleness is a mark 
of what an elder should be. Why is an elder gentle, or at least should be gentle and not rule harshly? The reason is that elder is fully aware of his own weakness and his own sin. And therefore, Galatians 6 is what he does. If he has to admonish someone for their sin, he helps them in a spirit of gentleness, it says. Spirit of gentleness and not harshness. Hebrews 5 verse 2 speaks of the high priest in the Old Testament. He himself, because he himself is beset with weakness, therefore he can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward. And the same for pastors. To deal gently because we know our own failures, our own sins, our own weakness. So an elder ought to be like a father who encourages and who leads strongly, but also like a mother. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7, We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother with her children. But then just a few verses later he says, We were like a father to you. We encouraged you. We led you. So we need the combination as spiritual leaders. So a spiritual leader can rebuke and can rebuke strictly where that is necessary. And the Apostle Paul, you see him do that. <coughs> he says, we are not weak. We come with the power of Christ when we come to you. And if you will not repent, after warning you once and twice, I will have to deal with you firmly and strongly, he says to the Corinthians. But if he can have it his way, the spiritual leader, if he can have it God's way, and as he should, then he will not come with a rod, but will come with gentleness. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 21. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1, where Paul says, I talk to you, or I come to you with the meekness. I entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The spiritual leader understands, if he's a qualified leader, he understands harsh words rarely accomplish the goal. Almost never. You will almost never get anywhere by using harshness. It'll just drive people away and put them on the back foot and immediately they're in defense mode because you're being harsh. If you come with gentleness, oh, you can move mountains. Proverbs 25 says a soft tongue will break a bone. Proverbs 16 says that sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. You're going to persuade someone. You're going to get someone moved by being soft-spoken and being gentle with your words. And even if people are stubborn, John MacArthur, someone once asked him, or not someone, was it someone? Anyway, went to lunch with a person, and the guy said, what is the biggest mistake young pastors made? He said, that's easy, they're impatient. We want everyone to repent, and we want the whole church to change, and it must change today. And I know that, I see that again and again, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm halfway there, I thought, I thought next year I'm halfway to 90. Can you believe it? <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 to 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with, what would that word be? gentleness 
God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So gentleness and patience is what we should do <coughs> as spiritual leaders. So the spiritual leader, the gentle elder, the gentle pastor, uses the authority God has given him. There's the strength part of gentleness to help up, to build up, not to break down. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 13. God has given us authority to build up, not to break down. What about you people in the business world? In the secular sector, in the workforce? <coughs> well, to you, the gentle businessman or businesswoman does not stand up for his own rights. The gentle businessman does not trample on others to get to the top, to climb the corporate ladder and do it by hook or by crook. No, the gentle businessman remembers the words of Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 25, where Jesus told the disciples, but Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. I've got you under my thumb. Jesus says, It won't work so in my kingdom. The gentle businessman, the gentle Christian businessman does not say survival of the fittest. If you don't fight for it, no one will fight for it. If you don't fight for yourself to get to the top, no one's going to fight for it. They're just going to trample you to the dust. So fight for yourself, stand up for yourself, otherwise you won't get a piece of the pie. No, no. The gentle Christian businessman or businesswoman believes the meek will inherit the earth. They will have the kingdom of God. And that is Jesus' own teaching. You see, therefore, the gentle Christian businessman or businesswoman believes the rest of this verse. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The gentle Christian businessman applies Romans 12 verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. He flees from materialism. He flees from the love of money. He flees from chasing money. And what does he chase? Righteousness and love and faith and peace and gentleness. See, the, the gentle person knows, I deserve nothing. Everything I have is by God's grace. And therefore, because he knows that, when people criticize him or her, this is very easy to say tonight and it's very easy to hear, but when the application comes, it's hard because you get criticized by someone and people put you down with their words. It's very easy to get on the back foot and be on the defensive and defend yourself and stand up for your rights. What did Moses do when his brother and sister criticized his leadership? Why are you the only leader? We can also be leaders. Moses didn't defend himself, did he? Because Numbers 12 tells us he was the meekest man on earth. He was a humble man and he was a gentle man. But when it comes to God's honor, so not defending my own honor, when it comes to God's honor, that same Moses is a lion. 
where he comes down from Mount Sinai and he sees how they've trampled God's honor to the dust by making a golden calf, exchanged the glory of God for a cow that eats grass. And Moses burns hot with anger and he smashes the two tables where the Ten Commandments were written on the tables of tablets of stone. And he crushes that golden calf to powder and he puts it in the water and he makes them drink it. Very serious. I heard this about John MacArthur. I heard a guy say, (coughs) I met John MacArthur and John MacArthur is much nicer in person than he is in the pulpit. And MacArthur heard that and he responded. He said, listen guys, I'm not trying to be nice in the pulpit. I have to preach the truth of God. My pastor, Johan Udendahl, some of you have heard him and some of you have met him. He met John MacArthur at a shepherd's conference in the United States. And MacArthur took him and a few other pastors to his study and said, brothers, please take books. Gave them books and and Johan Udendahl's interaction with John MacArthur was, he says, he's a very humble man. And I've seen in interviews, there was an interview that someone had with John MacArthur and John Piper. This was some years ago, and there's a, there's a recent one that was held, I think 2021 or 2022, another one, with John Piper, John MacArthur. But in the older one, you see John MacArthur. Wow, you see, humble, humble. And then you see him in the pulpit. So he's not asserting his own rights and standing up for his own honor, but you see him in the pulpit, standing up for God's honor and fighting for the truth like a pitbull terrier. You see him on Larry King Live, some of those old YouTube videos, like a pitbull, standing up for truth. All right, so those are examples of gentleness. And now second, we'll look at a pattern for gentleness, a patruan. A pattern for gentleness. Now more than anyone else, who stands up, not for his own honor, but for God's? Jesus. You see Jesus in the temple. So when people criticize Jesus, he does not defend himself. He's silent like a lamb before his accusers. But when they touch the honor of his father... He makes a whip of cords and he drives them out of the temple. He overturns tables. And zeal for your house has consumed me. He's on fire for God's honor. Standing up for his father's glory. Jesus would rather die a cursed death on a cross than see people trample the holy law of God into the mud. It has pleased God to exalt his own law and to make it glorious. And Christ would stand up for them. So please listen. Gentleness does not mean compromise. Gentleness is not compromising with sin. People who are truly gentle do not say, no, I'm just going to stand back and be gentle. We don't want to cause conflict and we don't want to fight. We just want peace at, all, at any cost. No. No, true gentleness says peace if possible, truth at any cost. I will not stand up for my own rights, but I will stand up for the honor of my God. And I will defend His truth, so help me God. And Jesus, you see, lived that way. Jesus, He's this gentle and meek lamb. 
who sacrifices his life to save sinners, but he roars like a lion when he defends the truth, when he stands up for the honor of God. The righteous are bold as a lion. Christ is the lamb and the lion. And it's not opposites, it's one. That is gentleness, it's controlled strength. Jesus comes, your king, O Jerusalem. Gentle, humble, meek, riding on a donkey. But when he comes to judge his enemies, he's the rider on the white horse. The warrior with a sharp two-edged sword, eyes like flaming fire. Coming in the glory and with the glory of his father. Jesus is the almighty creator that Kuhus read to us about. From Isaiah 40, the almighty, the one who comes with his mighty arm. Jesus who comes, the same Jesus who created mountains. Who puts the mountains in a scale and the heavens with a span he measures it. And all the oceans of the world in the palm of his hand. And the nations are counted as nothing before him. Dust they are, drop in the bucket. And it's this very same Almighty who gently picks up the lambs in his arms, says Isaiah 40, and carries them in his bosom and gently leads the sheep that are with young. I want to trust a Savior like that. I, want to, I don't want to say, ah, oh, that's a weak Savior. Who wants to follow him? He's gentle. Oh, that gentle Savior has the strength not only to move mountains, but create mountains. I want that Savior to carry me in my times of hardship. I want to walk with that Savior. And it's in gentleness. It's because of His gentleness. It's in His gentleness that He stoops. And He comes right down. And His gentleness picks us up from the dust. And it's His gentleness that makes us great. David said that. Psalm 18 verse 35, Your gentleness has made me great. It's God's gentleness that came to this nobody, this teenage shepherd boy. And God stoops and comes in gentleness and picks up this shepherd boy and makes him a giant slayer. And turns him into the king of God's people. It's God's gentleness that comes to you where you are in the dust and he picks you up and he sits you on a throne with the princes of his people, says Psalm 113. Perhaps sickness is your problem, where sickness has laid you low, or old age. Old age has really taken its toll on you, or some other trial you're going through, and you're lying in the dust, or you're standing on the plains of absolute hopelessness. Mutverloerse vlakte. Standing there, maybe even in despair, it's gone so far. You do not know which way to go, which way to turn. You feel lost. Or maybe the devil and sin has knocked you down and you're flat on the ground. And you feel, I cannot pick myself up. It is the gentle Christ who says to you in Isaiah chapter 40, that we didn't read, we only read from verse 10. But in Isaiah 40 verse 1 and 2, comfort Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, gently to Jerusalem, 
and tell her her warfare is ended. She has received double for all her sins. Not double judgment, but just as much sin there was, so much grace there is to cover the sin. That is the gentle Christ who speaks to you. The gentle and tender Christ who says to you in Hosea chapter 2 verse 14, Therefore behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly to her. Jesus, tonight, even if you are down and out because of your own sin and it's your own fault, even if that be the case, Jesus comes to you and He says, I will speak tenderly to you. Come. Let us sort this out. I have paid by my death on the cross. This very same Jesus is the Jesus who says, A bruised reed He will not break. And a smoldering little candle, smoldering wick, he will not quench. This Jesus who cares for you, doesn't matter how broken you feel. You're a tender reed, Jesus will not break you. He's gentle. He's gentle of heart. This Jesus is the one who says to you in Matthew 11, beloved verses, Matthew 11 verse 28 and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Come. All Jesus asks of you is come. Come to him, and he will pick you up. Augustine said, Christ does not, Christ does not, Command us to learn from Him to work miracles, to open the eyes of the blind or to raise the dead. But He does command us to learn from Him to be gentle. So first He shows gentleness to you and then He teaches you. Follow me. Learn from me. I will show you the way of gentleness. I will show you that way. And if you want to learn from Jesus the way of gentleness... That, does, that means you are not sitting here right now thinking, I wish so-and-so heard this sermon. They should hear that because they really need to change. I wish my wife is listening now. I wish my husband is listening. I wish my uncle is listening. I wish my friend or my brother or sister is listening. Because they really need to change. No, that's not what the gentle person does. You see, the gentle person sees his own sin. And he says, I need to change. I need to change. And therefore, he, he humbles himself under the word of God. And he says, I will receive this word into my heart with gentleness, with meekness, with a gentle heart. I will receive God's word. That's James 1 verse 21 I just told you. He receives the implanted word in a gentle heart or a meek heart. Sakhmudah and if you, if you learn Christ's gentleness, let me show you what you're going to learn. You're going to learn Proverbs chapter 15. Just bear with me a little longer, not long to go. Proverbs 15 verse 18 is what you'll learn. It says to us the following. <clears throat> a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. You're a tender person, a gentle person. You've seen that. You've seen people, they can just walk into a room and there's a fight. And then you see other people, there might be tension and they're there a few minutes and everything calms down. They're a gentle person, they quiet contention. You'll learn Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. 
<coughs> put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, gentleness or meekness and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against other, each, uh, the other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must forgive. Gentle people forgive because they know I've messed up so much and God is so patient with me. Why can I not be patient and gentle with you? The gentle person learns Titus chapter 1 or chapter 2. No, Titus 3, verse 2 and 3. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect manners toward all people or courtesy. For we ourselves... That's why you do that. That's why you're gentle. Because you remember, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, hating one another. And God forgave us. He was gentle with us. The gentle person learns James chapter 3, verse 13. Second last verse. Uh, that I'm going to quote, not second last verse of James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in gentleness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. That is true wisdom. Is gentleness. Not fighting and division. And then my last verse, I'll, I'll quote to you, is 1 Peter 3 verse 50. You know this verse. Where he says, you must regard Christ the Lord as holy in your heart. Always being ready to make a defense. Or ready to answer those who ask you about the hope that is in you, but do this with gentleness and respect. My dad understands that. My dad is a gentle person. A friend of mine said, Oh, Rex hasn't got a mean bone in his body. <laughs> He's a gentle person. My dad doesn't argue with unbelievers to try and win a fight. Even theological, I'm talking. Arguing with him, arguing. No, my dad understands. Be gentle, be friendly, be patient. So my dad made friends with his neighbor. He's always making friends with people. He's always giving them tracts and giving them books and prays for them. And so he gives to his Irish neighbor, starts giving birthday gifts. Oh, you really like history? Here's a wonderful book uh, on the life of William Tyndale. <laughs> and so now my parents live in the Eastern Cape now, Jeffreys Bay. The Jeffreys from Jeffreys Bay. I just spell it differently. But he made friends with, friends with a Russian. With a Russian doctor. My dad knows a lot of history. So he'll talk about something in Russia. and Russian history. And really this makes a connection. And the guy wants to talk more. And so this guy is a medical doctor. Married to a South African woman I think. And so my dad. He loves walking also. He walks along the beach. And past the house of this Russian doctor. Every day he waves. Comes again, the guy sitting on his little stoop with glass uh, front, because you need that. And so the guy waves, and the guy waves, and so it goes day by day. Eventually, he sees the wife walking the dog, and the wife and, and her, her friend. And so, talks to them, and then he, then he gives a tract called Ultimate Questions. We had some of them years ago by John Blanchard. Very good track, full color, um, wonderful content also. And so he gives a track to this Russian guy, and it's in Russian. <laughs> and this Russian doctor is so impressed. 
Oh, thank you. This is so thoughtful. Thank you. Thank you. A week later, as my dad's walking along the beach, here comes the wife with her friend and the dog. And she said, oh, thank you for that thing you gave to my husband, that little pamphlet. He loved it. He was so impressed by it. Do you have more? How did my dad get that open door? By being gentle. You know, if every, if every Christian was gentle, then unbelievers would start asking us, why are you so different? And then we must be ready with an answer to tell them, it's because the Holy Spirit is busy changing me. And I tell you, I wasn't always like this. The Holy Spirit is changing us into the character of Christ and the image of Christ. And He's turning us into a gentle people. Can I tell you more about this gentle Christ? Would you like to hear more? Lord, please would you change us into such people. There's a lot of work to do on me, Lord. A lot of work to do in my own heart and life. To become a gentle person, a gentleman. And I pray that you would transform us by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit to become gentle men and gentle women like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is gentle and lowly. Amen.